I'm Cameron Silsby, and this is the Van City Church Podcast. It's easy to forget and hard to remember at times. The scriptures, neuroscience, and life experience point to how critical remembering and forgetting are for our identity as humans. Back in 2018, my grandma died at the age of 99, a month before her 100th birthday. I was there, she took her last breaths and prayed with my two aunts, her daughters, after she stopped breathing. She died at that moment, but she had been gone years before that in many ways. A couple of years before she died, she would yell, help, every 10 to 30 seconds. No matter who was with her or what was going on around her, help. It was unsettling enough in and of itself, uh, but my grandma had been something of a matriarch in our family. Strong, resilient, independent. She had raised three kids while being a nurse her entire working life. After she retired, she volunteered at a local hospital where there's a plaque on the wall with her name on it commemorating her over 10,000 hours of volunteering at said hospital. She pushed through crises, trauma, disaster, shame, and clung to faith in Jesus through it all. She was not someone who would readily ask for help. Eventually, doctors realized that she was experiencing significant anxiety, and that's probably why she was yelling for help. So they put her on anxiety medication, and she stopped yelling for help. Her memory had been slipping for around eight years before she died. Normally an active, intentional lady, she began to stop mid-action and say in a sort of kind of helpless, worried tone, I don't know what I'm doing. Someone would reassure her with something like, Grandma, you're getting ready to go outside to do some gardening. And she would kind of carry on with what she was doing like nothing was wrong. Within about four or five years of those forgetful moments happening, she had to be placed in a memory care home. By the time she was yelling for help, she didn't know who any of her family was, and the word help was only one of about a dozen words that we could tell she could remember. By the time she died, she hadn't spoken for at least a year. She died not because her body gave out, but, but because she had forgotten how to swallow. It's fascinating to me that we understand so little about how memory works. It's so vital to everything we do. Memory isn't just, you know, the recalling of random trivia factoids. It's the basis for a sense of identity for us as humans, who we've been and who we are. Uh, there's our memory at work constantly sorting through the vast information that bombards us every second of every day. How, how do your socks feel right now? You know, like that's part of your memory and you choose to probably forget that unless something's going wrong. Our problem is that often our memory isn't as sharp as we'd like. We forget things. Forgetting has often been considered an inability to remember something, as in, you know, I studied for the test and I forgot most of the information I studied. I failed to remember the stuff. But forgetting is way more interesting and complex than arising from the limited nature of our memories. Uh, neurology and psychiatry professor Scott Small writes this about forgetting. We were all taught that forgetting is a passive breakdown of the memory mechanisms. 
the fundamental insight, the eureka, I think, of the new science of forgetting is that our neurons are endowed with a completely separate set of mechanisms that are dedicated to active forgetting. Just as our brains have a mechanism for remembering, our brains are also designed with mechanisms to forget. The purpose of forgetting can, I think, be easily imagined. If we were to remember every single bit of information from every single moment of our lives, we would be utterly overwhelmed with the memories. There's this uh, rare disorder called hyperthymesia, where a person can recall incredible details about personal events from their lives far beyond the typical ability of a person. In essence, they are unable to forget trivial information about events, whether the events are important or not. Only about 60 people have been uh, diagnosed with hyperthymesia, and one person who has it described her experience as, and I quote, nonstop, uncontrollable, and totally exhausting. Forgetting is helpful to our existence. We're wired to actually forget much of the information that our brains take in. The hope for neuroscience is that the more we understand the mechanism for forgetting, the greater the possibility of treatment for something like Alzheimer's, what my grandma had. What we remember and what we forget shapes how we see ourselves, how we respond to things and people in our lives. It's a critical piece of our identity. This interaction with memory and forgetting and identity is not you know, a modern conversation enabled by neuroscientists on the cutting edge. Would you be surprised if I told you that God seems to think remembering is really important? that forgetting in certain contexts can be dangerous and disastrous, that memory and identity have a strong correlation. Uh, the Hebrew word zakar, which means generally to remember, shows up a couple of a hundred times in the Old Testament. We'll read a few passages in a moment, but I think it's important to understand zakar as something much more than simply remembering. Zakar is often a way of remembering that engages a person's whole life. It has much less to do with recalling trivia facts or answers to a test. It's often a remembering that touches the deepest parts of the person who is doing the remembering, who they truly are. In fact, if you've read the Old Testament, you've read that God zakars. Not that he is simply recalling information, but that he is choosing to act and behave in a way that takes into account who he is and what he has previously said. God zakars, and he commands his people to zakar. Deuteronomy chapter 5, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Or this from Israel's um, practices of worshiping God. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. Then you will remember, or zakar, to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. 
Or lastly, from the psalmist who's dealing with doubt and discouragement and despair, he writes this, "'Will the Lord reject forever? Will He never show His favor again? Has His unfailing love vanished forever? Has His promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has He in anger withheld His compassion?' Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out His right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. So, to remember, again, is not to recall just brute information. It's identity, as in Deuteronomy, where God reminds the Israelites that they were once slaves who were rescued by God. Remembering is tied to obedience to God and what He says, as in the artistic symbols in Israel's worship. And remembering is tied to hope in the midst of despair. On the flip side, to forget leads to the opposite often, despair, disobedience, and a loss of who a person or people are. To forget is the Hebrew word shechach. Try that. No, I'm joking. You don't need to try this. It's shechach. It's fun, though. Um, and it is inextricably linked to the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile of Israel. Israel forgot. Jeremiah writes this, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have, have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wandered over the mountains and hill and forgot their own resting place. Whoever found them devoured them. Their enemies said, We are not guilty, for they sinned against the Lord, their, their verdant pasture, the Lord, the hope of their ancestors. Or this from Hosea, but I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. And once more from Ezekiel, in you are a people who accept bribes to shed blood. You take interest and make a profit from the poor. You extort unjust gain from your neighbors, and you have forgotten me, declares the sovereign Yahweh. Just to clarify, um, this isn't the forgetfulness of not remembering a particular Bible verse or a sermon point from last month. This is more akin to the forgetfulness of a parent who, in their exasperation and fatigue, lashes out at their children's misbehavior with sharp, harmful words, only later to be filled with deep regret and shame, knowing that's not who they want to be as a parent. Yet, even with the sting of shame, they keep finding themselves lashing out again and again. It's the kind of forgetfulness that leads a person to betray their friend's confidants, sharing intimate details with others for the exhilaration of acceptance and laughter, only later to feel ashamed at, at the breaking of trust and how they used their friend's vulnerability for their own ends. The resulting resolve to never do it again melts away the next time they have another morsel of juicy information that others might find interesting or entertaining, and the cycle continues. 
It's the kind of forgetfulness that isn't only a momentary inability to recall information. It's the inability to remember who you are and who God is and to live out of that. We're all forgetful like that to a certain extent. I think of my grandma trying to imagine, and I, and I try to imagine looking through her eyes at a room full of people she does not recognize, but who seem to recognize her, and having that constant anxiety that, that prompted her to blurt out help to a room full of strangers. And I think of my own insecurities my own fears, my own hurt, unbelief, and how I react and act in a given moment out of those places. And I fail to remember the alternatives, that I'm safely held by the creator God of the universe, no matter how badly things seem to be going. I forget that I'm deeply, deeply loved by this God, and that's what ultimately defines me, not what people think of me or what I'm accomplishing or what have you. I forget that I'm empowered to forgive and release others when I've been hurt, and I forget that bad things happening in life don't negate the beauty and wonder that is present as well. I forget that God actually cares about me, what I do, say, and think about. Now, here's the good news in all of this. Um, it's something that I, I find staggering. I, I really appreciate God's creativity in this. God chooses at times in the Scriptures to flip forgetfulness on its head, using it as a metaphor for how He deals with our sin. I forget, I fail, I am disobedient, I am unfaithful to Him, and then God forgets. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. Or from Isaiah, for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. And I love this, uh, he helps us forget as well. Do not be afraid, you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. This isn't forgetfulness of not remembering information or repressing negative feelings and memories to have a false sense of who we are. It's not avoidance. It's the fact that the most important thing about you and I is Christ in us and we in Christ. Our actions, failures, and successes absolutely matter to God and have ramifications, but they don't define us in His eyes. As we enter a new year, it's customary in our culture to look forward in the form of New Year's resolutions, you know, what we hope will be different with us in the next year. And we also look back at the last year prompted by streaming services and YouTube to check out the best of 2023. Uh, we might chat with our friends about the best books we've read or the best movies we've watched this year, all fun, all good stuff. We also can take time to remember what's happened to us that's formative. Whether through goodness or difficulty, we can take time to reflect on where Jesus has been through it all and what it all means for us moving forward. You're not the same person you were a year ago heading into 2023. 
Maybe the change has been drastic, maybe it's been subtle, maybe you've become more solidified in habits or choices for better or for worse. Maybe it's just hard to bring all the events and themes and happenings of the last year together into a co cohesive picture. You know, life has a way of pulling our attention away from being intentionally reflective. And then along with that, our minds and emotions can do the same as we spin our mental wheels on things and people that just aren't helpful. It can be easy to forget and hard to remember. Tonight, uh, I want us to do a little, something a little bit different. I want us to take time together to reflect on the last year, to remember who Jesus has been and who we have been and how we've changed how we've been forgiven, how we can move forward into the new year with a sense of what we want to remember and what we are invited to release and forget. Thanks for listening to Van City. You can connect with us and find more teachings and available resources at www.vancity.church. You can support Van City financially at vancity.church/give. I'm Patrick Porter, and this is the Van City Church Podcast. It's still recording. <laughs>